Amen. Good morning. Welcome to worship. We are delighted that you are here, gathered in the house of the Lord. Thank you. Uh, as always, our bulletins have a tear-off portion. If you're a first-time guest, please fill that out. Put that in the offering plate, as well as we have a place for prayer requests. Please fill that out if you have anything you'd like us to pray with you about. We'll pray for you this week in church. We have a few announcements, and we will move quickly as possible. One, I wanted to mention the love offering for Brenda in her retirement of her 40 years here is in the bulletins as well. You can put your gift in that envelope, put it into the offering plates as the Lord leads. We have ministry team flyers in there as well. If you uh, would like to circle any interests that you have, gifts that you have that you could serve on any of the teams, fill that out. And there's places uh, in the back to leave those after the service. Uh, also, we have, uh, again, we're collecting supplies for the Hilliard House, children's art supplies, crayons, colored pencil, pencils, co- construction paper, those kind of things. And then I wanted to make mention that next week we do just have this one service at 11 o'clock on Mother's Day. So just one service next week. But we do have our family day breakfast from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. in the uh, Family Life Center. So everyone is welcome to join us for that, for breakfast. And then I'll have Karen come up and share quickly about Rise Against Hunger. Good morning. Last week we enjoyed a video regarding Rise Against Hunger as we saw the impact that it makes for people who are hungry and the meals that are packaged and distributed all over the world. In just two weeks, we'll have the opportunity to view a slideshow of our very own Mechanical Baptist family and friends from two years ago when we actually had our most recent Rise Against Hunger meal packaging event. So that's to be coming forth in just a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, I do hope you'll put June the 4th on your calendar. That will be a one worship Sunday at 11 a.m. with a light lunch served at noon, and we'll begin packaging up over 20,000 meals around 1245 that day. So please share with your family, your friends, and neighbors. This is a wonderful opportunity for people of all ages, children to adult, to participate um, in sharing in this ministry together. Um, I wanted to share also that if you had a chance to read the touchstone this week, there was a slight glitch in the link for registration. And we'll get those bugs worked out this week. If you already haven't begun to sign up and consider signing up, there are also uh, registration sheets in your Sunday school classroom. So whether you choose to do online or in the classroom, please make sure that you register each individual who will be participating separately so that we know how to set up for that day, as well as to provide the light lunch for you as well. So thank you for um, being willing and looking forward to the opportunity that we can share together in this ministry on June the 4th.
would you join me in a time of invocation? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning praising you for this beautiful day and for this opportunity to come together and worship. Lord, we just, in this quietness, we ask you, Lord, to uh, be among us and with us with every note that's sung, every word that's spoken, that we will, Lord, take this time to be still and know that you are our Lord and our Savior. This we ask in your name. Amen. Be 
and teach us to be wise in times when we don't When we come to the table, we come to remember. But we also come to look forward to the future. For Paul, in his writings, made it very clear to us that what we do shows forth the Lord's death until he comes. He never leaves us. The disciples needed to hear that message in the upper room. And he left us with these reminders so that we can remember him. Remember the sacrifice he made. Remember the great love that he has for us. As we remember we come to the place in our own lives where we can find comfort 
an assurance in knowing that Christ's love for us has the power to redeem us. And so on the night in which our Lord was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had blessed it, he gave it to his disciples. And said, this is my body, which is given for you. For as often as you eat it, remember me. After they had been given the assurance that Christ was willing to give his body for them, he then took the cup and said, This is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, remember me. And I remind you again that the Apostle Paul says to us, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death with this promise until he comes. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to heaven and prepare a place for them, but he was coming back. What, what a joy to know that he is coming again. And would you please turn in your hymnal as we sing together hymn number 194, The King is Coming, and then 193, only the fifth verse. Would you stand as we sing together? The Lord is coming one day, but today, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, he gives us that wonderful opportunity again to give our tithes and offerings back to his storehouse, and may he bless them according to his will. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just ask you to be with us as we continue this fellowship and service, giving you all the praise and all the glory. And may you bless this tithe and offering that we are about to partake. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.
John saw a city that could not be hid. John saw a city. Oh, yes, he did. John caught a glimpse of the golden throne. Tell me all about it. Go right on around the throne. He saw the crystal sea. There's not to be more. What will it be? I want to go to that city he saw. Down with the lamb. I want to know everything about that lamb. John saw the day, but did not see the night. The lamb of God, well, must be the light. He saw the saints worship the great I am, crying, Worthy, worthy is the lamb. I want to go. That city he saw, New Jerusalem. I want to walk your streets that are known, and I want to run where the angels have gone.
thank you for enhancing our worship this morning in such a beautiful way. Brenda times things wonderfully. Uh, thank you. Uh, I mentioned to, well, she left me. She went over there. Linda, I said, look, we're right on schedule, right on time today. And uh, that's not uh, what's important, but uh, it's always good when a plan comes together, isn't it, Brenda? The way you intend for it to. But thank you again. Thank you. Our scripture passage this morning is a very familiar passage from the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, as we contemplate for a few moments one of Christ's greatest promises. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made many claims that gave people a right to expect many blessings. Time will not allow a complete enumeration of the Lord's promises. Think only of a few. Jesus pledged rest in Matthew chapter 11. He pledged that everyone who came to the Lord would be accepted by him in John chapter 6. And he promised to live with his followers forever. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. There were many reasons for the hearts of the disciples to be troubled in that room on that evening. One of them would betray Jesus. Another would deny him three times, most disturbing. Jesus was going where none of them could follow. And as an antidote for despair, Jesus bade them to believe in God and in Himself. By faith, their world that seemed so empty without Him would become not a haunted house, but a spiritual home with many rooms that included a place prepared for them by the going, the death and resurrection of Jesus. The central concern of the disciples in the larger context is not with where they will go after death, but whether they will be left alone on earth after Jesus departs to His Father. The answer of Jesus is that the disciples will not be abandoned, but that both He and the Father will come to abide with them in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Christians can learn to live at home in this world after the incarnation because the exalted Christ and His Father will come again to abide with them in spiritual fellowship. As we gathered around the table earlier, I mentioned that we are reminded of Christ's presence. He gave us something tangible to hold on to, to digest, that gives us a glimpse of what He has done for us and what He will continue to do. In the present, we can look to the future. But we have our memory of Christ. This past Tuesday, I was in charge of making dinner. Through the years, I have learned to cook some of the dishes my mother and grandmother used to make. Those familiar recipes bring comfort to me as a flood of memories return when I prepare them. In preparing a barbecue recipe my mother used to make with corned beef, I put all of the necessary ingredients in the pan, stirred it up, and reduced the heat for the dish to simmer for an hour as the recipe stated. I stepped outside for a moment with the dogs and when I returned, the the house was filled with the fragrance of that barbecue simmering on the stove. 
I cannot describe the flood of memories that returned to my mind because just for a moment, my house smelled like I remembered her house smelling when she made the very same dish. Memories are triggered by so many things and at the right time can bring a great deal of comfort. This was a particularly good memory for me. Not only did I remember my mother's cooking, I remembered things about my mother that made her unique. The disciples were confronted with the reality of Christ going to a place they could not follow, but he was leaving them with a means of comfort through the Holy Spirit and the promises he made along the way. They would always be reminded of Christ and his promised return. One of Jesus' most precious promises is about the future. We all concern ourselves with the future. And Jesus secures for us the future through his death, through his burial, and by his resurrection. Jesus promised to return to earth and to claim his people. His return often is called the second coming. Christians need to look often at the Lord's promise of his return to earth. But let's look for a few moments at Christ's return. First, the prediction of Jesus' return. How can we be certain that Jesus will return to earth? The Bible says so. Jesus promised his future return. No words could be more specific than I will come again, as in John 14, 3. Jesus assured his disciples that he would return from death and also return after the resurrection in a glorious consummation of history. Jesus spoke of his final return both in parables and in his teachings. In Luke chapter 12, he referred to a house owner whose house had been invaded by a thief. He compared the sudden unexpected visit of the thief to his final return. Jesus said, be therefore ready also for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you think not. A study of the parables will yield the conclusion that Jesus predicted a final victorious return to earth. Angels predicted the return of the Lord. Angels are used as messengers by God throughout the Bible story. Their message is true and should be heeded. Immediately after Jesus' ascension, an angel predicted Jesus' return in Acts chapter 1 when he said, This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The apostles predicted Christ's return. Part of the grand treasures of Holy Scriptures are the inspired writings of the apostles. This includes Paul. All the apostles wrote of the final return of the Lord to earth. Listen to John in Revelation chapter 1. Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, he said, it is finished. Amen. Listen to Peter. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have these predictors of the return of Jesus. But what is the purpose of his coming? Obviously, when he was speaking to the disciples that night in the upper room, he wanted to bring to them comfort. He wanted to give to them assurance as to what was to come. And in that assurance was embedded hope. Without a doubt, Jesus promised his return. We cannot doubt the certainty, but we might wonder why he is coming. Jesus will return for vindication. He will support his people's faith. Notice the Lord's word. word, Receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Through the long, troublesome course of history, God's way many times has been rejected and ridiculed. When Jesus returns, he will vindicate his righteousness. He will show to the world that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. 
Jesus will reward his people. 1 Peter 5, 4 teaches, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Jesus will reward his followers with a greater quality of life. He said to us, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I have come to secure your future. We all long to have a secure future because the future is frightening to us because we don't know what's there. But the disciples were given a glimpse in that room on that night when Jesus said to them, I am going and while I'm gone, I will be preparing for you. Jesus will return to resurrect the dead. Paul said, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The word translated rise means to stand up again. Jesus will return to resurrect the dead. He will make them stand up again. And we need not concern ourselves with how this will take place because we have an earthly understanding of what is spoken of here. God has a heavenly understanding. Let me be clear. This does not seem rational to the way we are taught to think. But God is not rational with us. For if God were rational with us and we got what we deserved, it would be condemnation. But the scripture is clear in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His grace is not rational. And so the way that he brings about the consummation of the age is only for us to speculate this side of eternity because we have no earthly understanding of these heavenly realities. Jesus will return also for vengeance. Paul said, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The coming of the Lord is indeed a blessing for believers, but it will be a disaster for unbelievers. But what is the plan then of his coming? Now that we have established the certainty and purpose of Jesus' coming, we need to look at the plan of his coming. Some expositors furnish elaborate details about his return. Without speculating, let us look at what the Bible teaches about the manner of the Lord's return. The Lord will return personally. Jesus said, I will come again. This suggests a personal return. Paul emphasized this fact when he said, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The promise of the angels indicated a personal return. So shall shall so come in like manner. Christ himself is returning. The Lord will return unexpectedly. No one can predict the exact date of the Lord's return. And if you listen to those people, you sometimes are as foolish as they are. Because the scripture is very clear. He will come unexpectedly. There every generation, every period of time in history can look at the tea leaves, if you will, as we read about them in scripture and how bad things are. But things were bad a long time ago too. As long as we live in a sin-cursed world, the realities are present. But let's be clear. He will come unexpectedly. Jesus intended for his followers to look for his return at any time. He compared his return to a thief in the night. Because of the unannounced date, Christians should live each day for the Lord's return. We should recognize and find comfort in knowing that the Lord will return for His people. The Lord will return victoriously. Jesus came the first time in shame as a rejected Messiah. His final return will be with heavenly splendor as a victorious king. The drama of Revelation depicts the glorious return of the Lord. Jesus is coming. 
You see, the disciples in the upper room that night when Jesus was trying to bring them comfort were still struggling with the understanding that He had come to deliver them from Roman oppression, not from sin's oppression. And so He went to great lengths to show them that spiritual renewal, spiritual deliverance is far better than physical deliverance. On Wednesday, as we were looking at Mark, the Gospel of Mark, we ran across the story of the four friends who lowered the man into the presence of Jesus. You know the story. Some translations say that he was sick with palsy. For whatever reason, he could not walk. And so they lowered him down into the presence of Jesus. And what did Jesus first say to the man? He said, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were there to judge him made it very clear that he didn't have the authority to do that and that was blasphemy. And then Jesus said, would it be easier if I say to the man, arise and walk? And he did. But what was more important to Jesus? The spiritual aspect of the man's life. His spiritual well-being was far more important than his physical. And Jesus made that clear time and time again. He said to these disciples, I will go and prepare a place for you and when I'm ready, I will come and take you there. The Lord will return Victoriously. But how can we prepare for his coming? Since Jesus promised to return, we need to prepare. Jesus' main challenge is to be ready for his return. The Lord told us not only to wait for him, but to watch for him. And he had pronounced a special blessing on those who watch. The difference between waiting and watching is illustrated in a story told by a Scotch fishing village. After a day at sea, or days at sea, the skipper of a fishing boat was bringing his craft back home. As the boat neared the shore, the men gazed eagerly toward the dock where a group of their loved ones were waiting. The skipper, looking through his glass, identified some of the women, women saying, I see Bill's Mary and there's Tom's Margaret and David's Anne. One man was very anxious because his wife was not there. He left the boat with a heavy heart and pressed his steps up the hill where he saw a light in his cottage. As he opened the door, his wife ran to meet him saying, I have been waiting for you. He replied, yes, but the other men's wives were watching for them. It happens the same way almost every evening in my house. I usually get there before Janet and Courtney get home from school because they stay late. I'm sitting in the chair waiting on them to come back. The dogs are eagerly waiting at the door. And one of them has something in her mouth to give them when they come in. I'm waiting. They're watching. The Lord wants us to watch for His return. Everyone needs to prepare for Jesus' return. Jesus stressed the necessity of preparation in the parable of the virgins recorded in Matthew 25. Five of the virgins chose to prepare for the wedding and five virgins did not. Those who were unprepared were not allowed to enjoy the wedding festivities. Christians need to live godly lives knowing that our Lord will return challenges God's people to live in such a way that they will not be ashamed when He comes. Some Christians participate in questionable activities. If the Lord returned, they would be ashamed. Paul said, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ in Titus chapter 2. 
Christians should work with zeal in light of the Lord's promised return. They should be faithful with that which God has given them and persuade others to earnestly prepare. Jesus, in preparing His disciples for His departure, was preparing them for their future. And in that they could find comfort. A friend visited an elderly woman badly crippled with arthritis. When asked, do you suffer much, she responded, yes, but there is no nail here. And she pointed to her hand. He had the nails. I have the peace. She pointed to her head. There is no thorns here. He had the thorns. I have the peace. She touched her side. There is no spear here. He had the spear. I have the peace. That is what the atonement of Jesus Christ means to, for us. He gave of himself so that we might have the peace. A little later on in chapter 14 verse 27. We read peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And then this word again. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither Let it be afraid. Our peace rests in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we come to terms with what He has done and what He continues to do in our lives and when we come to terms with the fact that He has secured our future, you know that's peace. People always are looking for ways to give us peace of mind, aren't they? People advertise on TV all the time about insurance for the future that will provide peace for you. There is no insurance for the future apart from the recognition that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, and is going to return and take us home. Our experiences with Christ during the earthly journey furnish evidence that He has conquered death. And this in turn becomes the basis for our assurance that in Him we may one day do likewise. If anything, John 14 promises not just that we shall one day go to heaven, but that Jesus has already brought heaven to us. Perhaps the best commentary on that where I am you may be also is from the great commission and lo I am with you always even to the close of the age Christ is present with us his spirit comes to us and ministers to us in ways that show us the light In so many different ways. And we remember. And we are drawn to him. I was telling this story in the office. It's a story that you may have heard. That Tony Campola told years ago. About a little boy who came to school. Whose mother had passed away. And his father was doing the best he could to take care of him. But things were tough. And so the other kids, because his clothes weren't exactly what they ought to be and his shoes didn't look exactly like they ought to look, made fun of him. But his father was doing the best he could. And so at Christmas, as is customary, particularly in the primary grades, I have found out they like to give gifts to the teacher. Almost mandated by peer pressure. So the little boy didn't want to be left out. So he brought the teacher two things from home. A half used bottle of perfume. And a necklace that was missing some of the stones. 
And when he gave it to the teacher and she opened it, the children snickered. But the teacher, being the gracious person she was, took the perfume and put some behind her ears. And put the necklace on and clasped it. And thanked the boy. After school was out, the little boy came to the teacher. And he said to her, thank you for wearing that perfume and putting on that necklace. Because today, you smelled like my mother and you looked like she would look you see we never know do we when we receive these elements the bread and the cup We are receiving Jesus. And we remember him. And we move toward the future. When he. Will return for us. Shall we pray? Oh Lord we are grateful. For the comfort and assurance that comes in knowing you. For the power of your life to redeem ours. Help us, Father, to not wait, but to watch for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our hymn of invitation is number 406, The Solid Rock. When we come to Christ, our lives are solidified by Him. He gives to us far more than we ever could repay. He's coming. Are we ready? Will you stand as we sing?
We have been blessed today by the Sounds of the Spirit as well as the Ladies Ensemble, and we thank them for their hard work and uh, appreciate their time uh, worshiping with us today in such a special way. Um, I need to tell you a couple things. One is that this is Benevolent Sunday, so uh, there will be deacons at the door to receive your benevolence offering. Uh, they are moving forward with a place for MCEF. Uh, we got word that it's not the building that they were looking at, but another place around the corner from there that's a little more reasonably priced for what's coming in. So you remember we're giving half of our offering each month, our benevolence offering, to help them get that ministry started, a one-stop shop, if you will. And so just wanted to make you aware that, that they are making some progress in that regard and wanted to let you know that. Also, remember, next Sunday, there's one worship service. It doesn't really matter to you because it's at the same time. It's at 11 o'clock. But we will have the Family Day Breakfast uh, at 8.30 in the Family Life Center. That's the reason we're doing it. We'll celebrate together uh, for Mother's Day. And so uh, I trust that you can be a part of that service uh, as well. Uh, you do have the envelopes for Brenda's Love Offering with you. And uh, Dwight mentioned that to you. Uh, you. There will be others available on the uh, desk, but they're in every bulletin that's back there this morning. So if you need one, uh, please feel free to take one. Again, it's one of those things where I keep talking until I remember everything I'm supposed to tell you. But I think I got it uh, now. Thank you for coming for the pictures. Remember, we do this again in June. I think the date is it 23rd. So, all right. Um, all but two people showed which was really good when you think about appointments and how people have other things to come up. So uh, we were grateful that uh, that's the case. You probably will not get delivery of your um, directory till September. And the reason for that is, see, the June date, then we have to put it all together, and then it has to be published and sent back to us. So uh, it will be a while. So that's what they said uh, in the last... Uh, well, that's what the ladies who were here over the weekend told me. It would probably be September before we'd get that back. So I think I've covered everything I need to cover. Let's have a benediction, but it's them. May the rose rise to meet you. May the wind 